Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of the Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. <laughs> so happy to be with you. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Taking that breath of love and gratitude with you as we tune upward to the higher Holy Spirit self. Our topic today is how to stop teaching persecution. Spirit led me to uh, to this and oh, it's juicy. I, I don't think I've ever talked about this and uh, I'm excited to see what comes through (laughs) for me and you (laughs) oh well let's begin as we always do with that breath of love and gratitude and placing our hand on our heart wholeheartedly declaring that we are willing to stop teaching persecution whether it's known or unknown by us we're letting it go we're invoking the Holy Spirit into our awareness We share the same mind with each other, with all humanity, with all life, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with all that there is. And we are grateful and thankful right now to make this a healing time. We're consciously choosing to awaken from the dream of separation. We're consciously choosing to accept the atonement for ourselves. We are consciously choosing to be willing to go the other way, to open our hearts and minds to the truth that sets us free. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes, 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 yes. Ah, I am so grateful so grateful to uh, everyone who participates in uh, this field of love. I'd like to say, first of all, that I'm just so grateful, so, so grateful for everyone who contributes in any way to the expansion, the clarity, the the power of love in the power of love ministry. So the power of love ministry is the ministry that I founded in 2013. We're a non-profit organization uh, offering uh, free classes, paid classes, and uh, many, many different forms of uh, free inspiration uh, to a global audience. Uh, and uh, it's all steeped in A Course of Miracles or directly uh, speaking of A Course of Miracles. And for the first time, we did a real fundraiser. We had some beautiful people who love what we're doing and have... Uh, shared in uh, the experience of the Power of Love ministry for a number of years and have really benefited from it and decided that they'd like to help us to offer even more free support, uh, more low-cost support to people all over the world. And so they, amongst themselves, raised $25,000 to anonymously uh, to fund this whole experience of this fundraising campaign. And they, they said, we're putting up $25,000 as a matching grant and inviting you to, uh, see who would like to participate in this and, and double their gift by participating in the matching. <coughs> and so we've had hundreds of people come forth with, uh, Donations of all different sizes to help us reach that goal of $25,000 to meet that matching grant. And we've never attempted something like this. And 
it was uh, a big effort. Uh, a number of people got involved and to support it. And we did it. We did it. And I speak we, meaning you, because so many of you from uh, the listeners of the radio show are supporting the radio show and made your gift uh, at this time so that we can, and we are, finishing up uh, transcribing all the radio shows and getting all those transcripts posted on the livingacourseofmiracles.com radio <laughs> website, the website for the radio shows. Um, <clears throat> so that's where the transcripts are at livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash radio. So you can easily search in there. And, um, of course, you can sign up for the podcast if you haven't at iTunes or Stitcher. And so just this huge depth of gratitude and I've learned so much through the experience that's the thing about sharing whenever I share I'm learning that's so fundamental to the Course in Miracles teaching and uh, that's what teaching is to me is sharing sharing what I've learned sharing what I am learning what I'm in the process of learning and discovering sharing what my questions are what my concerns are and um, so a number have, of people have told me that they were um, really shifted by the way we did this fundraising campaign. It just so happened that it coincided with my birthday, which was a week ago, and um so uh, sometimes people send me uh, gifts, gift cards, Amazon gift cards. Uh, one year I was looking to buy a new camera to use for my blog pictures that I take and place on the blog. And, and people uh, sent me Amazon gift cards of different amounts, which was great. I was able to purchase that camera Um it's lovely when people send me gifts and and um, and gifts of money as as people do with ministers. It's wonderful. And and this year, I just truly wished for everything to go to the ministry. That was my heart's desire. And so I I made an ask on my birthday: give give a birthday gift <laughs> if you'd like a tax deductible birthday gift. Uh, to the ministry, and uh, I receive it with love. So, uh, some people told me, wow, I would not have had uh, the ability to ask for something like that or ask on my birthday. And so, I'm learning all the time. That's one of the great things about becoming a minister for me, and becoming a counselor. So I became a science of mind practitioner in the agape community in year 2000, and I became a minister in that community in 2006. And so what, one of the things I realized in ministerial school was that in order for me to actually be able to give and give and give and give, I have to be a much better receiver. And we were just talking about this in Masterful Living class last night. We were talking about, uh, we are doing, we do a lot of classes in Masterful Living about relationship because as A Course in Miracles tells us, our relationships are our salvation. That our relationships with our brothers and sisters in our human experience on planet Earth, uh, those are the number one tool that we have to undo the ego attachments, the cravings, the addictive compulsive tendencies and temptations, um, the needing, the wanting, and also all the aversions, uh, undoing of all those various forms of attachments, opinions, judgments, the hurt, the jealousy, the blame, the shame, the regret, the resentment, uh, all these various forms of judgments, attack thoughts, 
self-attack thoughts are, relationships are the number one tool. And one of the things that many spiritual students go through in their experience of healing, it's so common, it's so, so common that most of us, uh, when we really start to dive deep, we start to uh, wish to pull away from people and to be less engaged with people, to have more alone time with God or more quiet time. Uh, oftentimes people start to <clears throat> turn down the amount, you know, they're not reading as many magazines, not reading as many books, they're uh, talking on the phone less, unless you're me, talking, talking, talking in classes and counseling. But um, I'm not talking about myself so much. Um, And we become much more protective of our mind and what we're entertaining in our mind and what we're giving our attention to, what we're putting our energy in. And so many people start to notice either that they're less interested in their uh, the relationships that they've been having or that the, their relationships are shifting. That's always the case. Uh, but many people also start to say, I, I feel like I'd like to isolate more. And what it is is... Um, It can be uh, a number of things, but there is an internal shift that takes place. Uh, For many, many years, I really, really wanted a lot of alone time. And um, um, going back to the persecution, which is our, our theme for today, about looking at the subtle ways that we teach that we're persecuted. Um, one of the ways is that we have relationships with people who are highly critical of us. And uh, I know I can say for myself that I did used to have relationships where people were highly critical of me. And I'll be honest with you, I still have relationships with those people, but those people are not anywhere near as critical of me as they used to be. Uh, They have really, really shifted, and they're much less critical of themselves simply because my whole approach has shifted. My whole approach is shifted to my thinking, my life, my relationships. Uh, or I could even just say my experience of this life, uh, these relationships, and my taking responsibility for what I say, what I do, what I experience, uh, according to A Course in Miracles, that powerful, powerful section in uh, the text uh, that I've read so many times. I'm not going to read it right this minute. Well, okay. Spirit's saying, yeah, you are. You are, Blanche. You are. <laughs> Remember that reference? Um, I remember that. Uh, I used to, one of the things, side note of no A Course in Miracles importance. Uh, well, actually, Holy Spirit saying, oh, yeah, no, well, there is an importance to it. Um, when I was a kid growing up, I love, like a lot of Course in Miracles people, I found a lot of refuge. Oh, that's so funny. Um, a lot of refuge in movies. And I used to love to, uh, on Sundays, we get the Sunday paper, and our, our family never bought a TV guide back in the day when you needed a guide to know what was on television, you know, be in the newspaper and stuff, but I like to plan, so I would get that TV guide out of the Sunday paper, uh, we were living in Rhode Island, Providence Journal, get that TV guide out, 
and they would have a movie section in the back. And I would go through that movie section on the back, and I literally would read it like a magazine. And I'd see what all the movies were, and I'd get out a colored marker, and I would circle all the movies that I wished to watch. And I would look and see when they were. Were they, because, um, for a while, uh, how old was I? When I was about, maybe 12 my dad came home from work one day and my brother and I were watching I Love Lucy reruns loved the old I Love Lucy reruns love Lucille Ball so so funny you know gosh she helps us make fun of the ego so so well that's why she was so beloved because you could see in her always that ego (laughs) trying to (laughs) to work its way and we could laugh at ourselves and um my dad came home one day from work and and said and my father was a professor at brown university then and he said uh, hey kids and neither my brother nor i looked up and acknowledged him hey kids no response and so he and my mom made a decision then that our TV time was forever limited. <laughs> and so we got two hours a week after that of um, television that we could pick, commercial television. We could watch PBS as much as we wished. So we watched a lot of uh, Zoom. I remember watching Zoom uh a lot, um, but I became less interested in television. But I was I always loved these old black and white movies with Jack Lemmon and Betty Davis and uh, Walter Matthau and um, oh, just so many of those old black and white movies. And I um, oh, just loved them. All those old black and white movies, the Singing in the Rain and. And uh, the Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, just so many different ones. And uh, I now know what it was, was I was learning uh, how to understand personalities more. Because the movies I liked were often uh, like uh, the movies with Jack Lemmon, where there's always some kind of beautiful teaching about humanity. And um, so anyway, going way back to where I started with... uh, but you are Blanche. Um, uh, who's afraid of Baby Jane? Is that the name of it? Yeah. With Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, where Joan Crawford's in a wheelchair and they're sisters. And her sister Betty Davis has virtually kept her prisoner and is really torturing her in a certain way emotionally mentally and a bit physically and there's nothing Joan can do about it because she's trapped in the house in the wheelchair and one point Joan Crawford says oh if only I could get out if I only I wasn't in this wheelchair and Betty Davis says in classic Betty Davis but yeah Blanche yeah in a wheelchair anyway so, <laughs> nothing to do with A Course of Miracles, but there it is. <laughs> For your listening pleasure, Stories of My Life by Jennifer Adley. Responsibility for Sight, Chapter 21, which is entitled Reason and Perception, so helpful to us. Section 2, The Responsibility for Sight. All right, just because this really has to do with persecution, right? When we feel persecuted, we can go right to this section where he starts with, we have repeated how little is asked of you to learn this course. So in other words, quit your complaining. (laughs) It is the same small willingness you need to have your whole relationship transformed to joy. So this is a teaching on relationship. The little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit for which he gives you everything, the very little on which salvation rests, the tiny change of mind by which the crucifixion is changed to resurrection, and being true, it's so simple that it cannot fail to be completely understood. 
Rejected, yes, but not ambiguous. And if you choose it now, it will not be because it is obscure. I'm sorry. And if you choose against it now, it will not be because it is obscure, but rather that this little cost seemed, in your judgment, to be too much to pay for peace. So here's here's the price of peace. It says, this is the only thing that you need to do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and the complete escape from sin, all to be given you. This is the recipe right here. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations. That's the rub right there. No reservations. For here, the power of salvation lies. Here it is. I am responsible for what I see, I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. It then says, deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge but that you have been mistaken, and all effects of your mistakes will disappear. All right. So, I'm going to invite you now to look at where in your life you feel persecuted, attacked, unrelentingly criticized, maybe even by your own ego. Look at that place in your life and say to yourself, I've been mistaken. I can see that now. I've been mistaken. I'm willing to see that now. Everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Just feel that for a moment. Yeah, for me, the shorthand is, I am responsible for what I see, and everything is just as I wish it to be. And then sometimes I turn my head to the side, I put my finger on my chin, and I say, Even in the midst of something I really don't like. And I can say, hmm, I wonder what benefit is in this. How is this blessing me? I'd like to see. Because I am responsible for what I see. And everything is just as I wish it to be. Well... What was I thinking when I brought this into being? Let me, let me understand it. Let me know it now. See, the ego's never going to figure anything out, but the, our higher Holy Spirit self has everything ready and waiting for us to be willing to take responsibility and then we can see what the benefits are. I'm responsible for what I see and everything is just what I as I wish it to be. So, remember, acknowledge but that you have been mistaken. So, we've been mistaken about being persecuted, about being attacked. And Jesus is going to tell us exactly what that's all about uh, in in uh, his teachings on persecution. Uh, and... Uh, before I go into that that part of the the text on persecution, I just want to I'd like to mention a thing before we go to break. Uh, I um, I've got a couple things going on here at once in my mind. Um, if you've been thinking about taking my year long masterful living course. Its uh, registration closes January 11th, and our classes begin on January 1st. Um, and of course, if you can't be there for the first class, uh, it's you can get the download. I'm doing a special three-hour first 
class this year. It's my New Year's Reboot class. And um, anyone can take that first class. And I'm doing it differently this year. I'm very excited about what Spirit is bringing through for us this year. It's just going to be off the hook. I feel it um, truly. Uh, I'm excited for my own spiritual growth and, and everyone else that, that's coming along. And in uh, if you register now for Masterful Living, don't wait till January. You can also have a three hundred dollar discount on my New Year's Reboot Retreat, which is on January first. I mean, it's Jan- uh, December twenty eighth to January first. December twenty eighth to January first. Five days, four nights. You can have a three hundred dollar discount uh, if you are in Masterful Living. If you register now. And uh, all the details are at jenniferhadley.com. Of course, you can come to the retreat if you're not in Masterful Living. Uh, so we've got that wide open. And the retreat's at Unity Village, which is where we're broadcasting the radio show from. And that's pretty cool. It's going to be a great time to be there. A nice, quiet time of year. Uh I love going on retreat at New Year's. It is such a great time to, as I say, take out the trash, clear the mental and emotional clutter, and open up wide and really anchor what it is you'd like to experience next year. It is a very powerful time. And uh, I'm always amazed at how on my retreats we can take out so much trash, clear so much clutter, really let deep, deep, long-held things go. Things we thought we'd never get over. People either fully let them go or they make a huge amount of progress. And and we have so much fun doing it. We laugh. Sometimes we cry. But we do a lot of laughing and uh, we have a lot of fun. And uh, it's a, it's a powerful, it's good, it's intense, it's deep, it's, it's yummy. So I know that if Masterful Living or the New Year's Reboot Retreat call to you, you can find out all the details at jenniferhadley.com. And if you'd still like to make a contribution uh, this year to Power of Love Ministry, we accept, we accept, we accept. We've got so many things on our docket of expansion. Uh, your funds are always welcome to help us offer more free things to more free for more people around the globe. So we're going to come back and talk about persecution, see what Jesus has to say about that in the text of A Course in Miracles. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we are truly living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application as we return to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back, just like that. So we're talking about persecution and understanding it. And um, so we're looking at the text, Chapter 3, The Innocent Perception. And Section 1 is entitled, Atonement Without Sacrifice. This is a a major uh, point because uh, a lot of what's in A Course in Miracles Jesus will talk about things that he feels the Christians have misunderstood and teach incorrectly, perverting his teachings. Um, And so one thing is about the crucifixion and uh, the resurrection and that... um, He says uh, right in the beginning of this section that if the crucifixion is seen from an upside-down point of view, remember the ego's always looking at things in the opposite way of what they really are, it says, 
it does appear as if God permitted and even encouraged one of his sons to suffer because he was good. In other words, uh, it, if you look at the crucifixion incorrectly, you will see, interpret it as though Jesus has been persecuted. And here's Jesus telling us, <clears throat> This particularly unfortunate interpretation, which arose out of projection, has led many people to be bitterly afraid of God. So, here's the thing. Why would religious leaders teach people to be afraid of God? Why would they do that? Well, there's a number of reasons, but one of the chief reasons was, and this became a very big part of the early Christian church, um, you know, once you have like the Nicene Creed and people start rewriting history and rewriting the teachings of Jesus, uh, the idea comes in that people can pay to have their sins removed. So if they're afraid of God, they don't want to go direct to God, so they hire someone, a middleman, uh, to do that negotiation, and that's the priest. So that 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 worked uh, that way. So... Many people are terribly afraid of God and don't even know it. And people are really, really angry with God and oftentimes don't wish to talk about it. I think that's one of the great things that uh, comes up sometimes in my Master for Living courses. People will talk about a fear of God, anger towards God, so that we can resolve these things, resolve and dissolve them, so they're not running our experience anymore. So he says here, Jesus says, such anti-religious concepts enter into many religions, yet the real Christian should pause and ask, how could this be? Is it likely that God himself would be capable of the kind of thinking which his own words have clearly stated is unworthy of his son? So then he goes on to say, the best defense, as always, is not to attack another's position, but rather to protect the truth. So here's how we avoid teaching persecution. We decide to protect the truth. All right, so what does that mean? He says, it is unwise to accept any concept if you have to invert a whole frame of reference in order to justify it. So, in other words, um, why teach uh, that salvation comes through the crucifixion, Jesus' crucifixion, uh, if you have to turn everything up on its head? The crucifixion was not the uh, liberation, it was the atonement. The ascension, the resurrection, that's that's the, the thing there that he's teaching. So the crucifixion is actually, in my mind, it's part of the resurrection. That with Jesus' body so decimated, clearly dead, the resurrection has that much more power than, let's say, if he uh, had a heart attack. Or something like that. But the fact that he's uh, suffered so much, so visibly in front of so many, and then to have a sword run right through his guts, is particularly at that in that day and age, and then he's uh, locked up in the tomb, how's he going to survive that? He's dead. He was dead before he was put in the tomb anyway. Uh, his body was. But then the resurrection... And him walking amongst his students, is he's able to teach the resurrection and that this world is an illusion, right? So, he goes on here to say, Persecution frequently results in an attempt to justify the terrible misperception that God himself persecuted his own son, on behalf of self-asian. Uh, 
The very words are meaningless. It has been particularly difficult to overcome this because although the error itself is no harder to correct than any other error, many have been unwilling to give it up in view of its prominent value as a defense. All right, so what does that mean? He goes and he explains it very clearly right here. He says in milder forms, so milder forms of this uh, defense and persecution complex, in milder forms, a parent says when it attacks, uh, you know, when it's beating a child, this hurts me more than it hurts you. A parent says, this hurts me more than it hurts you and feels exonerated in beating a child. It feels justified. Exonerated means guilt-free. There's no need for me to feel guilty in punishing this child because the punishment hurts me more to inflict it upon you than it does for you to receive it. And Jesus says, can you believe that our Father really thinks this way? It's so essential that all such thinking be dispelled, that we must be sure that nothing of this kind remains in your mind. I was not punished because you were bad. So in other words, he did not die for our sins. Right? And just as an aside, I've mentioned this before, that was something that Paul, who wrote all those epistles, wrote in one of his epistles to the Romans. And he told the Romans, you, Jesus died for your sins. That was Paul's thought about it. Jesus never said anything remotely like, I'm dying for your sins. He says, I was not punished because you were bad. The holy benign lesson the atonement teaches is lost if it's tainted with this kind of distortion in any form. So then he goes on uh, later in chapter 6, he talks about persecution again, and he says, and he's talking about attacking other people and being attacked. He said, assault can ultimately be made only on the body, which isn't real. So no one can assault our mind, our spirit. He says, there is little doubt that one body can assault another, and even destroy it. Yet, if destruction itself is impossible, anything that is destructible cannot be real, cannot be eternal, cannot be everlasting. Its destruction, therefore, does not justify anger. So, the destruction of a body, like the murder, the attack physical attack of one person on another does not justify anger because the body's not real and nothing real can be threatened nothing unreal exists right this is the foundation is right at the beginning of the text to the extent to which you believe that destruction does justify anger You are accepting false premises and teaching them to others, right? So we're looking at how not to teach persecution. So when we feel angry because a child has been murdered or raped, it's totally understandable. And it's not that we're wrong or bad. It's that let's take that anger Go to Jesus, go to the Holy Spirit and say, I get that I must be thinking incorrectly. This is how I feel. Help me to see the truth and know the truth. So instead of defending our anger and our upset and our opinions and our fear and our doubt and our worry and our jealousy and all the different upsets and causes of upsets, let's defend the truth in our own mind. Let's teach how to instead take a stand for the truth. I know that I'm never upset for the reason I think. So something is upsetting me that's not true, that can be relieved, 
Spirit, Jesus, relieve me of these thoughts and beliefs. Whereas what many people mistakenly do is, and it's just an error, it's just an error, it's not a crime or a sin, but it's just an error. We ask for relief from the feelings, and this is what Jesus talks about in um, in uh, this in chapter 2, when he's teaching about fear and conflict and cause and effect, he's saying, instead of asking me to remove the fear, ask for help with the causes of fear, which are the thinking. And that's what he says, when I was talking about this in September, I forget the name of the episode, but in, in September I was talking about turning over the misperceptions and maybe it was in the Living a Course in Miracles classes, which are still available for free. Um, maybe it was in the radio show. I think it was in the radio. I can't remember now. Sorry. Uh, so he says here, the body's destruction, therefore, does not justify anger. So I'm just inviting you, because many people get so, so angry and hurt and fearful because they've had um, an accident, let's say a car accident, and they've become uh, crippled as a result of it in their physical body. And uh, people are so, so angry because someone's been killed in an accident wounded, maimed, uh, killed. Um, people are so, so upset because um, they've had a medical procedure that didn't go as planned and now there's uh, a lot of anger and hurt and fear because of what's going on in the body. And this is what he's telling us. Anything that is destructible cannot be real. Therefore, its destruction does not justify anger. Again, we're in chapter 6, section 1. He says, The message the crucifixion was intended to teach, and that tells you right there that the crucifixion was intended and it was intended to teach something. I mean, just think of how masterful Jesus was. He could turn the water into wine. He, he could turn the, the, you know, he could pull food and things out of the ethers. You know, uh, he's not alone in being able to do that. If you read texts about um, uh, ancient Tibetans, and um, people in India, these things were taught. They were known. That's why in those years between 30 and when he returned, um, those, or rather the years be, between his teens and his 20s, he was learning from those yogis and those teachers. He was learning all of that. So he could, he could do it. So he could do things like bilocate, appear and disappear. There's no way they would ever have been able to capture Jesus or submit his body to any of that if he did not wish it to be so. So again, he's saying, the message the crucifixion was intended to teach was that it is not necessary to perceive any form of assault in persecution because you cannot be persecuted what so think of there are whole cultures religious groups social groups cultural groups that they're very much oriented around they are persecuted that's their thing it doesn't mean that they're bad or wrong or stupid. They're learning something. They're discovering something in the way that they're doing it. What could you not accept if you but knew that everything was gently planned for your good? But let's look at our own life. Where are we feeling persecuted? 
So I used to feel persecuted. I felt persecuted at work on a couple of jobs where I felt like somebody was trying to persecute me, right? And I've felt that way in relationship, like people were trying to persecute me. Consider where you have felt that way. And rather than try to understand it, because remember, the ego tries to understand what the spirit totally knows, designed, and is executing for a purpose. Right, I, I'm uh, understanding that perhaps some people might not be familiar with the word persecute. So to per- persecute someone is to harass them. It's to uh, continuously attack them and and um, to punish them, to go after them. Um, you know, sometimes it can just be, uh, just really harassing is, is a good way to say it. Uh, and uh, harass and punish, those are probably the two best words. So it says here, if you respond to someone trying to persecute you with anger, you must be equating yourself with the destructible with the body and therefore you're you are regarding yourself insanely so right there that's where you take a stand for the truth right and he says a little bit later here remember actually I'm going to read this whole paragraph he says I've made it perfectly clear that I am like you and you are like me but our fundamental equality can be demonstrated only through joint decision." Right? Because we share the same mind, he's telling us. You're free to perceive yourself as persecuted if you choose. Go ahead, you're free. When you do choose to react that way, however, you might remember that I was persecuted as the world judges and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it, I did not strengthen it. I therefore offered a different interpretation of attack and one which I want to share with you if you will believe it you will help me teach it as I've said before as you teach so shall you learn so we decide to oh okay I'm, I'm going to teach the truth I'm going to teach that when I feel anger and I feel justified because I feel attacked because I feel harassed because I feel punished I'm going to drop that anger and say my anger is never justified, right? Course of Miracles, anger is never justified. And instead, I'm going to defend the truth. I may not know what it is in that moment, except I could say to myself, and I might not believe it in that moment, but I could say to myself, all right, the teaching is that I cannot be persecuted because I am not a body and only the body can be persecuted. I'd like to understand it and believe it and teach it right here, right now. I'm taking a stand in defense of the truth. You don't have to believe it. That's one thing that Jesus makes clear in the Course. You don't have to believe this. Just act as if you do. Just do the practices in the workbook anyway. So he says here, If you react as if you're persecuted, you're teaching persecution. This is not a lesson a son of God should want to teach if he's to realize his own salvation. So let's choose our salvation instead of teaching persecution. And this comes in really handy handy at family gatherings. You feel attacked, you feel persecuted, feel harassed or punished by someone in your family or some situation. Anger is never justified. Don't deny your anger. That's not helpful. Oh, no, that just gets it all backed up in your system. Acknowledge that you feel angry. 
allow yourself to say, I feel angry right now. I'm really feeling it. And I know that I'm never upset for the reason I think. And I know that anger is never justified. So I'm not going to try and justify how I feel. But I am going to just let these feelings move through my system. I'm going to give them all to the Holy Spirit for healing. I'm taking all these feelings, the anger, which I'm not trying to justify, and I'm not trying to retaliate. I'm giving it all to the Holy Spirit for transformation. For transmutation. I'm willing to have it all be transcended. And he says here, Rather teach your own perfect immunity. So rather than teach persecution, teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you. And realize that it, the truth, cannot be assailed so no one can attack the truth it's not even possible do not try to protect it yourself don't try to protect the truth or you're believing that it is assailable if you're trying to protect the truth you're believing it can be attacked it can't be attacked you're not asked to be crucified which was part of my own teaching contribution. You're merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them as false justifications for anger. There can be no justification for the unjustifiable. Do not believe there is and do not teach there is. Rather, remember always that what you believe, you will teach. Believe with me, and we will become equal as teachers. Yeah, baby. That's what we're going for, Jesus. Thanks for the heads up. Woo! Just in time for the holidays. <laughs> Let's not end this year feeling persecuted. Let's remember our own true identity. Our perfect immunity. Yes, and and instead, energize the truth. Oh, gosh. I love you. I'm so grateful for our connection via this radio show. Thank you so much to everyone who's contributed and donated and made this radio show possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so so thankful for the love of God in us, the truth in us. So grateful that it's divinely planted and that we are saying yes to it, saying yes to our healing, yes to our wholeness, yes to our freedom. And we're sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In deep, deep abiding gratitude, we allow it to be and so it is. Amen. 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 Have a great rest of your week.